Hello, and welcome back to Candid Conversations. I'm Aviva, a third-year international development student. This week on Candid Conversations, we're picking up where we left off in the first part. Last episode, we looked at the history of development theory and what development actually means in practice. This week, we're taking another step in exploring development. How is development measured? And what is the global consensus on reaching successful development? So, as with most things in development, measuring it is a little complex. Development is measured through a series of development indicators. Development indicators are different economic, social, and political factors measured and averaged on a country level. On their own, these indicators may not represent a country's level of development, but their purpose is to be examined together. What are some examples of development indicators? Economic indicators essentially measure a country's wealth. A common one is the GDP, or gross domestic product. The GDP is how much money a country makes from its products over the course of a year. The GNI, or gross national income, is the GDP and money earned by investment abroad minus income earned by non-nationals within the nation. GNI per capita, GNI divided by the population, is a common indicator of development. None of these indicators, though, dominated by numbers and measurement, can truly reflect the nuances and realities of a nation. Measuring development on a nationwide level fails to show the urban-rural divide of wealth in countries. Because these figures are averages, it also doesn't measure inequality. Qatar has one of the highest GNIs due to their oil wealth. Yet they also host millions of migrant workers, living on low wages and subjected to poor working conditions. Social indicators of development measure human welfare in a country. It's based on a number of criteria. This includes literacy rates, birth rates, maternal mortality rates, underdevelopment rates, and life expectancy. Social indicators provide a more comprehensive picture of development, but are still averages of the population. Since 2010, development organizations measure development through a statistic composite index called the Human Development Index, or the HDI. The HDI is composed of life expectancy at birth, education, the mean and expected years of schooling, and the GNI per capita. Countries are scored based on the level of each indicator and divided into four tiers of development, very high, high, medium, and low. Canada ranks as a very high country. The index was conceived of by Pakistani economist Mahbub Ulak in 1990 with the goal of shifting the focus of development economics from national income accounting to people-centered politics. Thinking about the trend of development theory from last week, this approach follows the trend that emerged in the shift to human development. The composite indicators of development represent three dimensions that make up development, a long and healthy life, knowledge, and a decent standard of living. The HDI was updated to also create an inequality-adjusted index, which accounts for inequality in health, education, and income. Under perfect equality, the HDI and the inequality-adjusted HDI would be equal. So, more difference means more inequality. The difference in all three dimensions changes across countries, and in a country like the Czech Republic, the difference is quite low, but in other countries like Comoros or the Central African Republic, the difference can be up to 40%. Some countries take the task of measuring development into their own hands. Bhutan, a small landlocked country in Southeast Asia, created the Gross National Happiness Index in 2008 as a more holistic approach to measuring human well-being. That's why Bhutan may also be familiar to you as the happiest place on Earth. The Gross National Happiness, or GNH for short, promotes happiness expressed through harmony with nature and traditional values. This measurement is expressed through four pillars, sustainable and equitable socioeconomic development, environmental conservation, preservation and promotion of culture, and good governance. In addition to these four pillars, 
They intertwine with nine domains of happiness. Psychological well-being, health, time use, education, cultural diversity and resilience, good governance, community vitality, ecological diversity and resilience, and living standards. The GNH is a philosophy based in Buddhist principles, a primary cultural value within Bhutan. Bhutan has been recognized as the first carbon-negative country, emitting less CO2 than it retrieves. It is a country covered in forest and agricultural land with extremely strict restrictions on tourism. While these factors can make the country appear quite idyllic, the GNH is also a tool created by the government to promote this country. The GNH does not mention past actions of ethnic cleansing of non-Buddhist populations, specifically ethnic Nepalese of Hindu faith, which was observed by Human Rights Watch. Non-ethnic Bhutanese people in Bhutan face major challenges to living and are denied a number of human rights. The GNH differs from the annual World Happiness Report, a publication that ranks happiness based on respondents' rating of their lives. The World Happiness Report favors developed and economically advanced nations like Finland, Denmark, and Iceland. There are a number of other indicators I haven't mentioned that can be just as important to understanding a country's development. The Economist Democracy Index is similar to the HDI, but concerns political institutions and freedoms, dividing countries into full democracies, flawed democracies, hybrid regimes, and authoritarian regimes. In 2021, only 21 countries were scored as full democracies, while 59 were scored as authoritarian regimes. The Boston Consulting Group created the Sustainable Economic Development Assessment in 2012 to combine health, education, and corporate governance to economic indicators. When considering measurements of development, it is important not to get too caught up into the numbers. Without evidence and testimony of lived experience, the reality of countries and what really needs to be focused in cannot be accurately known. Judging how developed a country is is a highly subjective process vulnerable to the biases and cultural preferences of those controlling the measurements. So am I saying that development indicators are useless? No, of course not. But remember that these are pictures of a brief snapshot in time. As we learn more and technology develops, so do theories on development and ways to measure it. The goal of development is to ultimately progress and improve all areas of life. Just because it's hard to quantify doesn't mean the work is not worth it. Now, speaking of sustainable, how does development occur while also protecting the world's natural resources and ecosystems? Do you ever stop and think if what you do is sustainable? And do you know what sustainable development means? Sustainable development is to make the world a better place for everyone now without destroying the possibilities for the next generations. If you wonder if something is sustainable, you can ask yourself, can we do this over and over again forever? Sustainable development means that we need to keep three things in mind at once. Social progress, economic development, and climate and environment. Many of the indicators I have discussed are used to measure progress towards the Sustainable Development Goals. Also known as the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals are a shared blueprint for peace and prosperity and the planet now and into the future. They were created by the UN as a blueprint for development from 2015 to 2030. Developing from the Millennium Development Goals, the SDGs were ratified by UN member states in an attempt to end poverty and ensure peace and prosperity to all people on Earth. How should you change the world? The question our governments have been asking for a long time. They talk and talk and talk for many, many years. Because like I said, 
nobody says the same thing. But then, despite their differences, they did it. They agreed on new goals. They called them the Sustainable Development Goals. And they cover all these things for everyone. 17 goals, 17 dreams, 17 things that they all sign their name to say they agree. These goals aren't big, they are huge, they are ambitious and they are wild. But they are not just the fantasies of a child. This is all the leaders and all the people with the money and power saying yes, this is possible, this is happening, this is achievable within our lifetime. Our leaders are saying this, but this is our future, so it's our responsibility to make sure it's not just fancy words, that these dreams will become a reality. We've got to hold them to it to make sure we, in all the places we live in, demand they keep their promises. We've got to join together, we've got to make some noise, because this is our future and it's the one we all want. The SDGs represent a shift in global development thinking that recognizes the dire effects of climate change and the need to take environmental action. They are also a big ask. The SDG is composed of 17 goals and 169 targets. The first goal is no poverty and the last goal is partnerships for the goals. In between, they touch on education, health, gender equality, climate action, and more. Many of the goals and targets cross-cut each other. Ultimately, they represent our interconnected global system and the need for collaboration and cooperation to achieve improvement. The thing about the goals, though, is that they are goals. It would be pretty impossible for every country in the world to achieve every single target by 2030. There are so many goals that many also have trade-offs and interactions with one another. How can economic growth be reconciled with environmental sustainability? Those two targets are found within the same goal, number nine, industry innovation and infrastructure. Ultimately, the SDGs are also based on a neoliberal framework of economic development. That means that economic growth is the foundation of sustainable development achievements. Based on the rhetoric of the goals, environmental protection is focused to the bottom of the list without any overarching planetary goals. The idea of sustainability cannot actually be implemented if planetary protection and integrity are not prioritized. Ultimately, the SDGs are human-centered. Their goal is to improve the quality of life of humans on the planet which intrinsically cannot give the planet the same focus. For the UN, the sustainable development goals are an easy and for the UN. <clears throat> for the UN, sustainable development goals are an easy and digestible forum to discuss development. But they need more than graphics and conferences. They need action. That responsibility is placed on the governments of UN member states to implement development schemes and pass legislation that values both human life and the environment at the same level. That responsibility is placed on the governments of UN member states to implement development schemes and pass legislation that values both human life and the environment. Through development indicators, we can see levels of poverty, inequality, and so much more. Those numbers and these development goals are tools that have the potential to be mobilized to sustainably and equitably transform the world. Thank you for listening to this edition of Candid Conversations. You can find us on Instagram at IDSSA Publications, on Facebook and Twitter at Catalyst McGill, and online at catalystmcgill.com. If you'd like to reach out to us, our email is catalyst.mcgill at gmail.com. Join us next week for more conversations about development and its interactions with our modern society. If you are interested in coming on the show, you can reach us on Instagram or by email.